You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Also part of the Locked On Podcast Network is Peacock and Williamson. They are also a podcast bringing you national news and analysis every single day. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson, former NFL scout, giving you the goods every single day morning. I am your host, your pal in the Kitty Copied Off in Math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL, and the show is on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. So today on the show, I want to talk a little bit about Bashad Breeland. I sort of breezed past it when he first originally signed. I didn't have the time to look into it. I watched a little tape, but got a couple takeaways. We also have a presser to talk about that I thought was pretty interesting. So I'll give you a couple of notes from that. And then we're going to talk about the kicking competition, not necessarily predicting the outcome of the kicking competition, since I don't know that right now that's an exercise in futility. I don't know enough about kicking mechanics and all that stuff to really project who's going to have the better preseason, but we're going to do story time on both of these guys and talk about how they got to the NFL, how they got to the Vikings, the things they've been through, the kind of trials and tribulations and sort of the styles of career that they've had so far. So I'm excited to get to that, but first let's talk a little bit about Bashad Breeland, who signed with the Vikings on was it Monday uh Sunday maybe so he talked to the media for the first time since signing with the Vikings in an absolutely fantastic presser that I will link in the show notes uh very fun he was very energetic um but he said he was going to play outside mostly which was sort of a question because he's a guy that's played outside and inside although uh like I kind of noted when I first did a cursory glance at him didn't seem like anybody wanted him to play inside he only did it when there was a, a need there when somebody got hurt or something like that otherwise you know teams would always kind of start him outside and then whatever happened happened so maybe the the same thing goes down here, but for now he's focusing on mostly playing outside, which implies that he'll compete with Cameron Dantzler, and so that becomes a much more true traditional starting job competition. Um, Cam has been limited in OTAs, by the way. He's back on the practice field. He was sitting out for a little bit, but now he's limited, um, and honestly, at a certain point, competition in a cornerback for like starting outside cornerback is kind of moot because they'll all rotate drive to drive guys go in and out guys are going to you know they're going to want to keep fresh legs and all that stuff but cam's limited right now so Braylon has a really good chance to get ahead for that starting job and then we'll see what happens in training camp um we'll do a true story time for Bashad Breland later and we're talking all the kickers today but let's talk about tape a little bit with Bashad Breland. So he did not run a fast 40 time. He's like a 4.62 corner. That's about as fast as Irv Smith. And it's slower than Laquan Treadwell ran his 40, to give you a sense. But he's made a career on being very explosive and very quick and very technically sound. And that'll get you pretty far. Sometimes he'll get burned, you know, on a really long developing thing. He'll lose his speed a little bit. And um, it, it means he has to kind of turn around and bail faster than you wish he did, which can make him susceptible to underneath stuff. But we'll talk about that in a sec. But he's basically like an explosive jump of the ball kind of guy with decent enough man chops. So basically the, the style of game that he has adopted is whenever somebody is threatening a vertical, be it, you know, via game tape or stance or whatever, usually they can kind of get a, get a feel for it he'll play press bail or true press 
And that's good. It's very, very Zimmer stuff. Zimmer's got cornerbacks playing that all the time, so that's a good fit. But if you're unfamiliar with press bail, it's actually something that the Vikings used to help Cam Dantzler out later on in his uh, rookie season, and Jeff Gladney as well, as they were struggling early. Press bail really helped when they finally got to it later in the season. But that means lining up in press, so right up in the wide receiver's face, and flipping to run vertical immediately instead of doing any backpedaling. They just turn around and run. Or you just press them right away and then play mirroring from there. So you jam them at the line inside five five yards. Anything is fair game, so go hit them. And the reason it's like both of them is so press bail is susceptible to slants. It's vulnerable to stuff that starts underneath, that threatens a vertical, but then breaks off really, really fast. Because basically, you turn your back right away, and there's like a window where you have a blind spot. So routes that attack that blind spot, you are susceptible to. True press is jamming them and is very good against those sorts of routes. If you want to threaten vertical on a slant, say, where, you know, you really attack them for two steps and try to get them to turn around and then slant underneath them, that's a way to win a slant. If you want to attack vertical right away and you do that right into a jam, you're going to get smoked. And so it kind of lets you cover your bases and one kind of complements the other very well. And that configuration has worked very well for Breland over the course of his multi-team career. He's been with Washington and Green Bay and Kansas City and all that. Um, this is also Kansas City version of Breland. I, he In his uh, presser, he mentioned that he played a lot of different techniques in a lot of different places. Um, and he really relished in Kansas City kind of finally having some coaching continuity and being able to play the same technique and hone it. And he said he honed being an outside corner too. That's when he said, he kind of implied, I'm playing outside corner. And they said, you know, you ha he, he gave a great uh, little coach speak-ism where he said, you got to be a master of one or be a master of none, which I love. Um, so I, I think the Vikings should let him play the game that he played in Kansas City and not try to go all around on him too much. Sometimes they try to make these guys these all-around players and they become a master of none instead of a master of anything. Um, and Breland seems to think that that's what's going to happen, but he's also, you know, it's not that he's not willing to learn at all. He's soaking up things from Patrick Peterson and Harrison Smith, and he's asking tons of questions of Mike Zimmer. He even got caught in OTAs. Media was there, so they all saw it. Um, Zimmer was working with Patrick Peterson, and Breland basically went up and said, hey, can you show me that too? And in his press, he was asked about that, and he said, yeah. And Zimmer said, you know, everybody's their own guy, so this is what I want for you, and it's different than what I want from Peterson because everybody's their own corner. And I think that's pretty smart. Also, none of this technique stuff is hard and fast. He'll play other techniques. He'll play zone. Coverage will be different. Matchups will be different. Things will vary a little bit. This is more of like what he tends to use more or how he responds to ways that teams commonly attack him, that kind of thing. But either way, I think he's going to be put in, in what I would call the competition tier, where he is going to compete for a true starting role with Cam Dantzler and he's fighting him over snap counts. And I think that is absolutely worth the four million or whatever it is with incentives. We don't know what the incentives are yet, but we'll call it four million for now. Um, and I think playing him at pure outside corner right now is also an interesting indication of some other kind of tertiary stuff. A, his master of one thing is a good point. Let, let a guy get good at something instead of being not very good at everything. B, I don't know if they have much of a need at slot corner right now. Even if you throw Jeff Gladney out for now, you still have Mac Alexander and the Vikings trust him a lot, at rightly so. You also have, you know, if you are going to rely on him as a backup slot, he already has experience there. And in a pinch, that will do fine, even if they're not honing it. Um, and, you know, C, Harrison Hand is are also there and he plays slot and it if they're happy with him as a backup slot and I certainly would be based on his 2020 tape where he played slot fine he was kind of hidden because they were in cover two mode by then 
you know, nothing to complain about. And if he can play backup slot, then you don't really have a need from that for Breland. And you can really focus on making him the best possible outside corner, you know, chase wins instead of avoiding losses, if you will. But either way, tons of vets in this cornerback room. And so if all of these guys from different places and, you know, draft and free agency and all this can, can align and mix up well, I think we've really got a stew cooking. But I want to switch focus now to special teams. And I want to talk about the kickers, both of the kickers that are going to compete for the job in Minnesota. That's Greg Joseph and Riley Patterson, and both of them have pretty interesting stories to the NFL. But first, I cannot stand Daily Fantasy, especially when Daily Fantasy includes kickers. It's so annoying because I feel like kicking, picking a kicker for the week is basically picking whichever team gets stopped in the red zone more, which is super random, and I hate it, and there's like a thousand other people that are going to make the same thing, and it's like whoever gets the luckiest dice roll. I hate competing against pools of a thousand people, which is why Stat Hero is perfect. It's the first ever daily sports book that puts the player in control, and it puts winning within reach. You don't have to get first place out of a million people. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you the lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stake, your stakes, and winner take all. You take you have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. Nobody else does that. It's like a blackjack table, but with fantasy. You're in total control. And Stat Hero is DFS the way it was meant to be, one-on-one. So play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. You can sign up for free right now, and you can get three times back on your first play. That's a 300% match. Unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. That's stathero.com slash locked on for your 300% match. Also, let's talk a little bit about Grambling. You can bet on all sorts of things. Of course, the NBA playoffs are going on. The NHL playoffs are going on. Bet on basketball and hockey. Go do that. Have a little fun. But you can also bet on baseball games. You can bet on... NFL futures, like who will make the playoffs, over-under win totals, all that stuff is there at betonline.ag right now. It's free to sign up for BetOnline if you don't have an account already, that part's easy. And when you actually deposit money in your account for the first time, enter promo code Locked On with that deposit and you get a 50% match. That means if you put in 200 bucks as your first gramble in deposit, that means you get 300 bucks to gramble with. All courtesy of BetOnline and Locked On. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So the next uh, chapter of the Storytime series starts with apartheid, or more specifically, the end of apartheid, which came, I think, April 27th. 1994, uh, if my history is correct, and in that ensuing August, Greg Joseph was born. He was born in Johannesburg, South Africa, the second South African kicker to don a Vikings jersey. The first one did really, really well until he didn't. Uh, So he lived in uh, South Africa until he was seven, until 2001, where his parents decided, hey, things are a little testy here in South Africa in the 90s. Uh, Let's move to the States a couple years after that. So uh, his family's also Jewish, so they sent him to Jewish schools growing up. He went in middle school, he went to Donna Klein Academy, Jewish day school, and there he played soccer and football, competitive, you know, travel, soccer, and football, the good stuff. And he grew up huge fan of Manchester United. He wanted to play soccer for Man U. That was like his lifelong dream as a child. And he didn't even watch a football game until he was 12 years old, didn't even know what American football really was. But he thought it kind of looked interesting, so he took it on as like a side thing. But soccer was always his kind of main focus, his true love, if you will. So he is super devoted to his faith, and 
he is, I think as this story kind of goes on, you'll see that he's this very like deterministic guy, a very God's plan, whatever happens, happens kind of approach toward life and the struggles therein. So he went to a private school called American Heritage in Boca Raton, Florida, where that's where they moved uh, after Johannesburg. Um, And there he figured out that playing kicker was kind of fun. So he joined the team as a kicker, as a freshman, and it, he was terrible as a freshman. It was the first time he'd really done it like seriously. And his coaches, you know, was like, he's got soccer habits. He's got soccer techniques and all this. He's a soccer player playing kicker, but he's got a huge leg. So when he actually just winds up and hits it, like on a kickoff, his coaches describe it like he can kick it into orbit. We just got to like teach him how to kick. So they hook him up with this local kicking guru guy, named Tony Buyega. I hope I'm not mispronouncing that. Um, But he's like this local guy that teaches with, you know, repetitive mechanics and kind of teaches consistency and all that stuff. And it's at that point where Greg Joseph kind of realizes, oh, I really like this. And he really, really likes kicking. And, you know, soccer is great and he's a big fan of it, but kicking brings out this competitiveness to him and there's something kind of deeper that is unlocked. And so he really, really focuses on kicking. And he isn't actually good at kicking until his senior year of high school where he actually does enough to at least get some attention from a local college, Florida Atlantic, which is also in Boca Raton. And he starts at Florida Atlantic for his full college career, but it was a fairly uneventful college college career like it uh, no games came down to a field goal which is kind of weird but i guess sure whatever he got to stay local through all of college have a relatively quiet college career as far as college careers go and stay near family and all that stuff and that's all great um so when college is over he declares for the draft doesn't get drafted which is fine and he signs as an undrafted free agent for the miami dolphins also nearby which is awesome and despite what he felt was a solid preseason played in all four games of that preseason um this was the 2018 preseason miami had just drafted in the seventh round also a guy named jason sanders who is still their kicker today so they went with jason sanders who obviously has been doing pretty well and he ends up getting cut and so he has to you know keep training stay ready wait for the opportunity. And so this was 2018. So you remember September of 2018 in the world of kicking, right? You remember a guy named Daniel Carlson, a game at Lambeau Field. I probably don't need to remind you about the disaster that happened. But that week was really weird because that was not the only kicking disaster that happened. Zane Gonzalez over in Cleveland also missed three kicks and cost his team a game. So both those guys end up getting cut. And Greg Joseph is sunbathing on the beach when he gets a call that says, hey, Cleveland is having uh, tryouts. You should go work out for Cleveland. And so Cleveland worked out Daniel Carlson, uh, Blair Walsh, Cairo Santos, a bunch of these like, oh my God, that guy kind of names that kicker and Greg Joseph. And the workout was basically have him kick from a bunch of different distances, you know, from 20 to 30 to 40, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he aced it. The only miss was the final kick, which was a 56 yarder. He missed that one. And on attempt two, he nailed it. So the Browns signed him and he carried the Browns through the rest of that season. It was 2018 Browns. They weren't very good yet. It was Baker Mayfield's first year. So he went like 17 of 20, which wasn't bad, but what with the chaos of their kicking season, the Browns drafted a kicker named Austin Siebert in the fifth round in 2019, and it was a competition, and again, Greg didn't beat the guy that got drafted. So... Listen, Greg Joseph, again, he's a very deterministic guy, very everything happens for a reason kind of dude. And so as excited as he was to be the guy in Cleveland, 
Now he's got to figure something else out. So Carolina brings him in on the practice squad, um, but never the active roster. And in December of 2019, the Titans were having their own whole host of issues. Ryan Suckup was the kicker, and he was hurt a whole bunch, and they brought in a bunch of weird backups, Cairo Santos again, and a bunch of other weird people, and they all kind of sucked. So week 16, Titans grab him off of the practice squad and run through, run with him through their weird 2019 playoff run, where uh, he plays for he suits up for five games and in those five games he kicks 15 extra points and one field goal in the last one in the afc championship where they lose against the chiefs and for whatever it's worth he makes all of those kicks um but in 2020 nor neither he nor the undrafted rookie tucker mccann end up winning the job tennessee goes out and grabs steven gostowski who you might remember had a bunch of struggles but he was the guy so they put mccann on the practice squad and they let greg joseph go where he goes and joins tampa bay where he hung out on the practice squad there for most of the year behind who else but ryan Suckup again old friend so Suckup stayed the course for Tampa Bay that year. Uh, in 2020, he got hurt once. Joseph got elevated, played one game back to the practice squad. And after the year, the Vikings cut Dan Bailey, save a little cap space. He had the bad 2020 and all that, and they grabbed Greg Joseph. So now he will compete with Riley Patterson. And again, he's always been a very head down, just kick and see what happens kind of guy. Very control what I can control and everything else that happens is happening for a reason. And that certainly helps during big moments. But here's the thing, Greg Joseph hasn't really had any. And Riley Patterson has, and we'll talk about how those went right after we chat about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the planet. If you have late night cravings, perhaps, or you want some chocolate, but you can't have chocolate because you're trying to lose or maintain weight, you're trying to be good, Built Bar is the exact cheat code you're looking for. It's low in calorie, low in sugar, low carb, high protein, high fiber, and it tastes delicious. Comes in like chocolate cherry, chocolate coconut, chocolate peanut butter, all sorts of classic combinations. And keep an eye out for specialty flavors as well. If you want a box of Built Bar for yourself, go to, to BuiltBar.com and enter promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, all one word. Promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. You get 15% off of your order, so it's a little cheaper as well. Head on over to BuiltBar.com, enter promo code LOCKED15. Try it out for yourself. The best tasting protein bar on the planet, Built Bar. Much like Greg Joseph, his competition, Riley Patterson played a ton of sports as a kid. He played football and soccer at the same time, and in like junior high, when he played football, he was a running back slash linebacker, but because he was also a soccer kid, they had him kick and punt. And by freshman year of high school, again, much like Greg Joseph, he realized, I like kicking more than all of this, and he wanted to do just that. He wanted to focus on kicking. So he started at Edwardsville High in Illinois four years of kicking, but he only got one offer, at least according to Rattles.com, that was Memphis, so he committed to the University of Memphis. And his idea of kicking and how to be a good kicker is two things. A, make the damn kick and nothing else matters, right? And it's very like kind of let's reduce this all to did you make it or didn't you make it? That's how everybody looks at it. But B, overcome challenges. Kicking in the weather, that's a challenge that you overcome. Kicking under a lot of pressure, maybe the game's on the line, you really need this one. That is a challenge. Kicking under the lights in a very, very big game, like a bowl game in college or a prime time, whatever, that's a challenge. So 2017, his freshman year at Memphis, he splits reps to start, but eventually he beats the other guy out, he gets a starting job, and that year Memphis went to the AAC championship against that undefeated UCF team, you remember that team, Mike Hughes was on it, um, That the, they said they were national champions, champions that year because they were the only undefeated team or whatever, it was that UCF team. And over the course of the game, he made a couple of short field goals and extra points, but at the beginning of the fourth quarter, he misses a 46 
yarder. So end of the game, 33 seconds left. Game is tied 48-48 after that miss, and it was fresh in his mind. It was just earlier in the quarter. So Riley Patterson lines up for the conference winning kick, and he thinks about it, and he thinks about the miss, and he gets in his own head, and he doesn't trust his muscle memory, and he doesn't get under it. Kick's blocked. But this delay of game penalty, and he gets saved by that. The play didn't count, so he gets another chance five yards further back, 51 yarder, and he sails it wide left. UCF would go on to win in overtime. So that'll mess up your psyche, right? Like that is a total debacle with the game online, and it ends up kind of being like squarely on you that you lost them the conference championship. But that's not the last game of the season because they had Liberty Bowl, which they actually played in because there was some weird stuff going on with the SEC that usually plays in the in the Liberty Bowl. I think it was the first field goal attempt of the game for Riley Patterson was a missed 38 yarder, and they would end up losing that bowl game by a point. So that'll stick with you. Young Riley Patterson got way in his head and totally botched the last two games of the season. But his teammates rallied around him and they tried to keep him from skulking and beating himself up too much. And he was just a freshman. He was ready to kind of move on and play out the re- the last three years of his career. There's a lot of football ahead of him, and he had to kind of keep himself from, you know, destroying everything. So 2018 was a better year for him on the whole, and it ends up in the Birmingham Bowl versus Wake Forest. Again, under the bright lights. Again, under pressure. And the memories start to seep in, and he starts to get in his head again. It's 37-34 at the end of this one, and Memphis is driving to tie it up. So they're down by three points, and they decide they're going to play for OT as they have a a drive stall in the red zone. It's another 38-yarder. Patterson lines it up, and it's true. But Wake Forest iced him. They had called a timeout, so he's got to do it again. And the second one, again, is true. But the whistles blow, and there was a false start, so he's got to try it a third time. 43-yarder now. Third try, and it sneaks just outside the right upright. Just the most brutal way you could possibly lose a bowl game. And again, this is the third time now that a big game under the bright lights with a miss fresh in his mind and, and all the memories and he, that, that he got into his head. Now again, much like his competitor Greg Joseph, he's very, very into his Christian faith, and he leans on it a lot in these kinds of moments. And Memphis brings in a new special teams coordinator in the 2019 season named Pete Lemba, who also helps him out. Starts helping Patterson to not beat himself up so much over these kicks and not put so much pressure on himself. You know, relax, take the practice, let the practice that you've done and the training and the muscle memory, let all that stuff take over and everything else is noise. And it was hard for Riley Patterson to do that. He would think about like the 2017 and 2018 seniors at Memphis that he had let down, the fans, everyone. And he had to kind of learn to let all that go and just kick the way you know how to kick. So once again, the 2019 season ends up in a bowl game. They're in the Cotton Bowl this time against Penn State. And in the practice leading up to that game, Riley Patterson on Wednesday rolls his ankle and gets hurt. And it was unclear if he was going to be able to play the game. So let's add some more challenges, right? You've got the bright lights of a bowl game. You've got kicking after misses and after struggling. Now you've got the injury. There's a lot of challenges to overcome there. And in that game, Riley Patterson unlocks something deep within his soul and enters God mode. He goes six for six, including a 51-yarder, which both of those things are Cotton Bowl records. Uh, Three for three on extra points, so the most points in a Cotton Bowl, the longest field goal in a Cotton Bowl. Memphis still doesn't win, but he set records in that bowl game, and it generated a ton of national buzz. It got him on the radar for the right reasons instead of the wrong ones, and that'll do a lot to erase the memories of NFL teams. So now he's kicking in 2020. 
And there's a new challenge. There's COVID. And that means practice is weird. Preparation is weird. There's no fans. So the sound is different. The environment is different. And it's just that much weirder to get into the right mental headspace. And it really gets to Patterson. He missed like a third of his field goals in 2020. But draft time comes around and the buzz from before is still carrying him. He still thinks he could get drafted. So he signs up. And the draft weekend 2020, his cousin is getting married in Festus, Missouri that weekend. So he can't watch the draft. He's got to go to his cousin's wedding. And at his cousin's wedding, which is happening on Saturday of the draft, which is day three of the draft, near the end of round seven, he sneaks off to a little side room and he starts answering his phone. And his phone lights up. Calls start coming. And he actually gets a bunch of camp invites. But he was looking for a couple of things. A, he was looking for a place where he could start. He didn't want to, you know, compete with someone's entrenched dude. And he also wanted an indoor team. He wanted to kick inside where he definitely definitely had that, you know, the Cotton Bowl was inside the the game where he really, really broke out. So he wants to set himself up for the best chance to be good. And Minnesota checks those boxes. So he chooses Minnesota. And now he's coming to compete with Greg Joseph. He's got to win a kicking competition. And that's a newish challenge. He won one at the beginning of Memphis, but now he's got to do it all the same. And he's been through kicking debacles before, and he's been through big moments where he didn't come up, and he's got at least the one big moment where he did. So he has some practice bouncing back from a poor miss, and maybe that's what the Vikings see in him. But either way, he's got his work cut out for him with Greg Joseph, the South African who has been through plenty of kicking competitions against entrenched starters, and now that's where the kicking competition is going to be. We'll see what happens in camp and in the preseason, who actually ends up winning and being the kicker for the Minnesota Vikings. But either way, two guys with really, really interesting paths converge here in the 2021 preseason. After this show, make sure you go check out the Locked On Today podcast, which is bringing you everything in the wide world of sports under 20 minutes every single day, news and analysis, everything you need to hear, hosted by Peter Bukowski. You can find that wherever you find your favorite podcast. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL, and the show is on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. I'll see you all tomorrow, and as always, Skull.